Hey, everybody, and welcome to the American Citizens Podcast. My name is Gray. I'm here with Josh. Hello, Josh. Hello. And we are going to attempt to make sense of the 5-3 thriller that happened on Tuesday between Monaco and Manchester City. Um, There's a a lot that we could go over here, and a lot that we will go over here. Um, So, uh, I guess... I, I guess we're going to start with the positives and go from there, because obviously when you score five goals in a Champions League tie, there's something good happening to you in some aspect of the game. Um, so so let's, let's start with, with the good stuff. And obviously we, we, we watched this, we saw things going awry, and we saw the team looking like they were on the teetering on the verge of capitulation, multiple times, um, and yet they pulled this out, and that was in large part through their speedy young wingers, Leroy Sané and Raheem Sterling, who you could have a legitimate argument over which one, if either of them, was the man of the match yesterday. So, um, I, I guess the story that I would, the story of the game that I would put down as is... The attackers were amazing, the defenders were crap, but the attender, the attackers were slightly more amazing than the defenders were crap. That's fair. I mean... I am sure that Monaco had sights on defending better than they did, and to be perfectly fair, um, both teams really had a chance to pile on the pressure and make it harder for the other team to come back. Um, Manchester City straight away should have been awarded a penalty on Aguero. Like that, 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 was, that, can, that, can, that, can, I, we, can, we just want to pause the podcast and uh, talk about this. Yes. I, okay. I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to dabble much in hyperbole. I don't want to, to, you know, because there have been a lot of refereeing decisions. There have been a lot of refereeing performances in the history of the Champions League. That was one of the worst I've ever seen. He was, he was, he discredited his profession and he discredited the competition that he works for. To be yeah, honest. I would, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he ends up missing a couple of games, um, as a result of a review on that one. I thought a couple of the cards were really ticky tacky. Um, I also thought that there were some blatant penalties that he missed. Um, the one one Otamendi gave away like he he just sat there staring at his fifth official I guess you could call it for like yeah he was waiting for somebody else to call it do something please yeah you call this one I don't know if it's a foul or not which kind of cracks me up because (laughs) I don't know how you can't tell that Nicholas Otamendi barreling in from behind on somebody uh after they've already passed him and have have a, have a one-on-one with the keeper and then Otamendi just comes sliding in, taking everyone out. Like, I don't know how you're afraid to call that a penalty. Like, this is a Manchester City podcast, and I'll tell you that that was a penalty. And I wonder if he wasn't scared over not giving the Aguero decision because he messed that up. You know, there was a tweet going around. It didn't come from anybody with a blue check, but it did come from Simon Mollick with the mirror. Um, And Simon Mollick had tweeted something to the effect of 
that there was some talk in halftime that when the ref went back in, he admitted that he got it wrong and that Aguero's should have been a penalty. That wouldn't surprise me. I mean, these guys can, like, eventually, they don't have video review at their disposal, but eventually they are going to see it. And they're going to be like, oops, you know? I mean, you can, even the people who, you know, there there were some people who thought, okay, there was the slightest touch on the ball before. Contact doesn't matter, by the way. Um, there, but, you know, ooh, there was the slightest touch on the ball before there was the tackle, blah, blah, blah. You know, first of all, that's nonsense. It, he, he, got, he got tackled by the goalkeeper. But even second of all, even those people are sitting there being like, it still wasn't a dive. Like, there is nothing in there that is remotely similar to a dive. He got hacked down by the goalkeeper, whether he got the ball first or second is imma- or ever is immaterial. It was not a dive under any circumstances whatsoever. No. no. <clears throat> it was not. And, and, and when you watch it in real time, Aguero goes down pretty hard. You know, usually when you dive, you toss yourself down. Like, Aguero ate shit. I think and what, there's a I reason think, that happened. Yeah, I mean, he I got think what taken out. Is, you know, he got taken out, but I think he was also also trying to be honest and just sort of hop over the outstretched leg or just avoid the outstretched leg because the ball is still there and there's no one else really in the way. If he can get to it again, then he's got mm-hmm. a clean shot at goal. So he went flying down because he was trying to avoid that foot and it caught him and he's already sort of off balance because he's trying to avoid it. And so, you know, it didn't even look theatrical. It just looked like he got obliterated. And I was just like, what, what do you say to this? You know, what, what on earth do you say? It's just an awful, awful decision. And he had an awful, awful game. And he discredited himself, his profession, and the competition. So. Yeah, that was a really frustrating. I mean, that right there was really frustrating. Probably more frustrating for City is the fact that they'll now be without Sterling for the second leg. Oh, they rescinded that. Or it wasn't... Um, UA, I don't know what happened, and I don't know anything about, like, who was booked, but UEFA apparently clarified today that Sterling was not booked and thus will be available uh, for the uh, second leg. I don't oh. understand how that happened. I don't know. I, I, I don't know who did receive that yellow card because no one, there was, there was, I guess it goes in line with that refereeing performance that no one really knew what was going on. But <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. UEFA, Sterling, where did you see this? Um, ah, but there is a retraction of Sterling's yellow card. Okay, here we go. Daily Mail has it. I will read it out. Yes, for for those of us, because it was very quiet. Okay. It was a very quietly done thing. It wasn't like there was an announcement. It was just like, oh, yeah, that didn't happen. And I don't, <laughs> I can understand how literally everyone would have missed it. All right, but there is a retraction of Sterling's yellow card, which, uh, Although, as officially put out by UEFA, UEFA, seems to have been a mistake made by the government body. So, to be clear, Sterling is not on a yellow. Yes. He is still one away from a suspension um, yeah. going forward. So, But he should be good now that he's He will play. be able to play in the next game against Monaco, yes. 
Yeah, he should be good now because he's played a game with the through the yellow. Now wouldn't it be accumulation? I don't know. I this is really confusing. Like I don't know if he got the yellow and they rescinded it, or 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 if they it was a phantom yellow, or I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, I uh, so yeah, I I I am glad you pointed that out to me because I was thinking. That would likely mean Nolito and Sane is how I excuse me is how I would imagine that playing out if Sterling had been suspended. Yeah, um, completely agree. Uh, I don't I don't really know. Supposedly the story is that um, Nolito hasn't been training well, so I don't I don't know. But I'm glad that that's not a problem. Um, boy, Sane. You know what made me laugh is that after that first goal that Sterling scored, the cameras focused on him doing his own celebration for for um for, for assisting. Like everyone ran over to him and I was like, "Hold on." Um he wasn't the one who scored. It was Monaco did not defend well. Didn't help that one of their fullbacks picked up a very early yellow and was kind of limited in what he could do after that. And will, by the way, be out of the second leg. Um, that was Glick, I believe. But, yeah, yeah. But um, there, it's that pace again. They couldn't cope, and they really seemed to have an understanding. And the, there was so much good team play. They were setting up tap-ins and everything. Um, so I, 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 and I want to talk about Aguero. Obviously, the first goal he scored was a bit lucky because the keeper just sort of like blew it. Um, yeah, that was that was a howler, man. Yeah, not that we're complaining. The second was a touch of pure class, yeah. and then he set up a, a third for Leroy Sané, the fifth goal for City. Um, yeah, I well, watching him yesterday. It was kind of an instance I compared on Twitter to me playing FIFA. Um, he gave the ball away, much to Pep Guardiola's fury. But then he would immediately go and do everything in his power to try to get it back. And I don't know if these, you know, we've seen him, oh, he looked more like himself today. I don't know if it was an instance of of him really starting to buy into the system more, or if it was just an instance of him having a, ga- a good game. I don't know. It doesn't really change my opinion of anything that's been going on. But at the same time, seeing him play a game like that, and particularly seeing him score a goal like that, can only mean good things going forward. Yeah, I thought, honestly, and and I'll get to some of the other stuff that I was going to talk about on the podcast a bit later, but I was commenting on this throughout the game. Like, there's an element of Aguero's game now where he's getting it. He's not as fluid as Gabriel Jesus in that Aguero seems to favor the left side more than the right in in terms of, of where he drifts, whereas Jesus will drift left, drift right, doesn't really matter to him, which I think is why Guardiola enjoys it more. But one of the things that Aguero tends to do is remain static while everybody else is bringing out the ball, and he's dropping a lot deeper to collect it and help his teammates bring the ball out. And I think that that really enabled him to get set up in the box with other attackers, causing problems for Monaco. He, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say that 
I would play Aguero once he comes back over Gabriel Jesus. I'm simply saying that Aguero is proving that maybe the system is not beyond him yet. Rumors of Sergio Aguero's demise were a bit premature, perhaps. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe not, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think you can draw any more conclusions from him playing well one game than you can of playing not well like another game. Um, but you, you can't watch that and not be at least a little bit encouraged. Like, yeah, that was a little more like it. Um, because, you know, he did play well, and that, that finish on that second... That second goal he scored was very much, um, you know, it reminded that was, me. It reminded that was me of, something Aguero would do. Yes, you know? it was exactly. It reminded me of the goal he scored back um, against Arsenal in the thirteen fourteen season, um, in the six three at the Etihad, which was actually kind of a similar game to this. Um, but I, I think that you you see him scoring like that, and it's just. The, there, there's an ambition there, and there's a confidence there that, yeah, I can pull that off, because that is a really high degree of difficulty finish. Um, so, you know, that, that encouraged me. That made me happy. Um, De Bruyne and Silva were, again, really good, I thought. Um, basically, City had five players going forward that just acquitted themselves really, really well. Um, and and you wonder, you, like, you, you watch them... And there have been so many chances not taken, you know. We've, we've talked at length about those games where they, you know, there's a chance that they didn't take, and there's a chance that they didn't take. But yesterday, there was that edge. There was that sharpness. They were taking them. And, you know, that can make all the difference. I think they can be, you know, they're not going to score five goals every game, but I think they can be more like that in some of the games they play in the league and the cups and what have you than they, you know, than those struggling to convert chances that we have seen, particularly at home, in some of those league games. And hopefully they can take some confidence from that going forward. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, Vinny Company is a guy that tends to get a game every month. And and if Vinny gets the second leg, it gives you a bit more confidence in the defense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe they can keep Monaco out. Um and uh, you know just punch in one or two to to really apply the heat because at that point Monaco would have to score four goals. Um, and I just don't think it's gonna happen. Uh, so I, I don't know, man. Uh, I I I hope that this is a learning lesson for City. I hope that this is something that they can take away. I hope that this is something that Aguero can build upon. But it's like you said, the attackers did their job. It was, frankly, the back half of the pitch that did nothing. And I don't know who you want to start with, but I feel like there's enough praise that we could heap upon the various different people but uh, I feel like we should get to the singling out first. I'm I, where I wanted to start was actually something that would allow us to transition from praise to criticism because I'm going to talk about a player that deserved a little of both, and that's Willie Caballero, whom I tweeted not more than five minutes after the game started. I like Willie Caballero and all. He's a good you know he's a decent goalkeeper goalkeeper. Um, 
you know, I don't have any problem with him being a number two slash stopgap number one. But if City are considering letting him be their number one next season, they're mad. And I stand by that even more so after yesterday. Because there was a penalty save in there. Poor penalty from Falcao, sure. But once again, Cavalier has proven himself as, as something of... Of, of sort of a, a surprisingly skilled person in terms of being able to stop those penalty shots. But at the same time, we saw his flaws on display for all to see on the first goal, a clearance that had no business going in that direction, an inability to play out from the back consistently and successfully. They are either going to play this system or they're going to have, or they're going to have to um, settle for, hoofing it out because they can't do both as long as they're relying on Caballero. Um, and I don't think Pep is going to change his system. So I don't think that that Caballero and that system just do not mix long-term. There's no two ways about it. Um, and that, and that's only the beginning of, of, um, you know, what we're going to talk about defensively. And I don't think it was all his fault, but you know, his mistakes were evident there and it's just, he doesn't mix with the system. Uh, he definitely doesn't fit the system, but, uh, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'd rather have him in there than, uh... Oh, right now, yes, I would. But, you know, when the summertime comes, I, I, I guess... When I, the summertime comes, hey, remember, remember when I did say <clears throat> it'd be nice if Caddy stuck around, you know, before this game and, and then the report came out. Now I'm cool if they let him go. Yeah, um, I, I I did want to actually mention that that report because I know you actually tweeted that to me and mm. I did see it and I I you know as long as we're talking about goalkeepers I know we're kind of jumping around here but it's what we no. do. Um, <laughs> um, it was uh, Sam Lee writing for Goal dot com who had um, the reveal that City are are planning the the words he used are planning to offer Caballero a new contract. But um, he, his people say they haven't talked to them yet and that he would only really want to commit if he was going to be the number one, which he should not be. Um, and, and I, I, you know, like I said, I'm fine with keeping Caballero around as a number two, but if he wants to be a number one, you know, thank him for his service and tell wish him the best of luck going forward because no we can't can't we we've... I would like to add on something to that uh, I talked to Sam and I was asking because it seems like Ederson is becoming more and more uh, the likeliest of candidates to be purchased by City and I asked him about Ruli and uh, Sam's response to me was more or less that everybody's happy to leave Ruli right where he is. Yeah, I mean, which is strange. But then I, there, are, there are reports. You know, you pick your favorite source for these things. You mentioned earlier. It's, it's one of those how... things like, well, if you read in one paper that he really wants to come to Man City, and then you read in another paper that, like, no, he wants to spend another year at Sociedad. Um, you know, well, this I, is this is less what it was. I asked him about that, and he said, "Sure, you know, Ruby may want to come, but right now it's Man City. Sociedad do not want to let him go. They right. they think that you know there's still a future there that they can build off of. Um, 
and Manchester City aren't exactly as high as him as they are on Ederson. So they're going to go out and try and get Ederson. And, and my Which point is, no, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Well, if you have a guy, if you have a guy who's doing as well as Ruli is, and you can get him for twelve million, it absolutely does not make sense. Well, I, th- I think it. Benfica are going to hold out for the whole amount, and I right. know we hear this all, but in this case. Bonfica only owned 50% of Ederson's rights. There is a South American company that owned the other 50%. So in order for Bonfica to come out with anything of substance for Ederson, they have to push for the full 45. No goalkeeper, to me, is worth that much money. No goalkeeper. That's fair, but after watching Claudio Bravo, I don't play this care. Game, you I can just have watch. Geronimo Rulli or somebody else for far cheaper than 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 you could have Ederson. I don't give a damn if Ederson is. Look, you know, for that kind of price, they could have had Mark Andre Ter Stegen last year, and they did want him, but they also had to buy Sane and a bunch of other people. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm just saying that I, I cannot justify Man City having spent 24 or $25 million on Ruli just to sell him back. Like, that, that deal to me, does just it makes no sense. Other than money laundering, I do not know what that deal does. It secures him for several years in case things go, or he develops quickly, or, or they decide that, you know... Well, I think the original plan was that Claudio Bravo would be here for a couple of years and not completely crap the bed immediately. And and then when it was time for Claudio Bravo to move on in two or three years, then they would look at Ruli's progress and say, okay, we've got him cost-controlled cheap, we can do that. But I think perhaps their thinking is that obviously Bravo has not worked out, and obviously no. they're already looking at moving him on immediately, which is way sooner than they would have anticipated. And they may just not, you know, I'm not a scout and I have not watched a lot of Real Sociedad. So I'm not going to sit here and, 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 and pretend and, to be an editor. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend to know what's going on, but I'm just thinking from like their scouts perspective. And again, I don't have any like any further inside information on this, but perhaps their scouts are saying, I don't think he's, you know, he, I don't think he's ready for the Premier League. I don't think he's ready for Manchester City. So we're just going to have to go and spend a lot of money on someone who does whether that's right or wrong. You're fair or not, smart or not, I don't know, but I think that might be the line of thinking here. And that's a fine line of thinking. I just don't agree with spending $45 million on a goalkeeper. Manchester City seemed to get raked over the coals uh, quite a bit, and um, it, there's no guarantee that Bonfica won't ask for like another $5 million over because of what they're getting. Well, they can't, they can't do that. The release clause is $45 million. You know, I'm just year. saying... You pay, and uh, they can't really... But they don't have to that. sell. Just because they've met the release clause, clause, the club doesn't have to sell. Look, the, the value of my pop, uh, one of my pops, let's say, is worth $27. Now... I don't have to sell it for $27, even though that's what its market value is, and somebody else could generally buy it for $27. If I have somebody that wants something, needs my pop bad enough, and needs it for their collection, I can say $40, 
they'll pay it, and we'll be on our way. It, everybody in the world can see how bad, bad Manchester City's goalkeeping is. Like, it's, it's, it's not even... This isn't even up for debate. This team suck at netminding. Like, the... I, I, I hate saying it like that. Because it sounds so crude and so harsh. It's just... Well, I mean, Bravo can't make saves, and Caballero can't play it out from the back. Right. It's it's You put two of them together, and you still have half a goalkeeper. Right. Loyal servants to the club. I'm sure Bravo feels bad that he couldn't come in and do more. But I also have a little bit of sympathy for Bravo in that he spent the vast majority of his life playing elsewhere and this was a rather steep learning curve especially probably when, also in front of better probably also behind better defenders i would right, say right right and i don't know how fair it is to judge bravo on what he's doing when city's defense is so damn awful are we really getting a fair assessment of claudio bravo now, look, I'm still fine to push Bravo on after the season's over. This isn't me saying, bring back Bravo, let's keep him. I'm just playing devil's advocate here by saying, look, if I had to play behind these defenses, we might be talking about how bad I am and how much I suck. Like, it's just City's defensive frailties, which you have listed on here, um, oh, we're going to be talking about them. <laughs> well, what, now's the perfect time. Yeah. I mean, um, did you did you like? You know, Let me just I've wrap got, this up. Okay, go for it. I was going to say, City's defensive frailties have probably caused more errors in goalkeeping than anything else. I would say. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I want to actually briefly want to talk about Yaya Torre, and I want to do this for a very specific reason. Because if you go back yesterday and watch the fifth goal celebration, um, when the you know the whole team comes up because they know they've just gotten themselves a two goal lead, um, and they all come up and they start celebrating, and if you watch it closely, you th- I think Yaya Torre made the biggest contribution that anyone on Man City did made yesterday, because you see, if you watch what he did, he ran up to that pile. He saw Nicholas Otamendi, and he tried to tackle the hell out of him. And I think, I think he was trying to injure him so that I would never have to see him play again. <laughs> I, I, I have it on, I have it on good, good information that that's exactly what was happening. Oh yeah, Actually, I, you I know think what? this is a reasonable take. I think it's perfectly acceptable. I think it's obviously well informed and well. I'm just kidding. Obviously. <laughs> But, but um, no, Yaya actually played a huge role in that fifth goal. No, he did. He standard, did. But I'm that was that was Yaya. a very that was a very long setup for a joke that I is probably not nearly as funny as I thought it was. But all the I same, don't know. I enjoyed it. All I, the same. I, I would like to imagine Nicholas Otamendi in somebody else's colors, like Man United colors. I just cannot. You know, there was a there was a period. Yeah, there was one particular like sequence of events yesterday in which he just I don't remember who did it. I think it might have been Mbappe or something, who just like he dove in and he just sort of stopped and just obliterated. He just completely obliterated. Oh, is that the one where Otamendi came all the way out past the halfway line, tried to get it, and Mbappe just went like straight past him, like? Well, the, and... the fact that I'm not sure tells you all you need to know because there were several of these moments. 
But there was just one where it's just Otamendi just goes down to ground and just completely takes himself out. Like, what the fuck are you doing running out past the center line? You're oh. a center half. You're a center half. Why are you running that far? He doesn't seem to realize that he's not PK. Like, <laughs> he just doesn't seem to understand that he's not that good on the ball, and he doesn't need to do that. And he's not that good without the ball either, because he doesn't really have any sense of positional awareness. He doesn't know where the other players are. He gets caught sleeping, and he goes to ground like a 13-year-old slamming the square button playing FIFA. It's just, I, you know, I, I don't... There is no, and I tweeted you with this response yesterday, City do not have an anchor defensively because Otsmendi's flopping around out there like a dying fish, and John Stones' defensive skills are not yet where they need to be, and that became very evident when Falcao obliterated him for Monaco's third. So, I just, that pairing, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to kill John Stones because I think he has a very bright future and he's going to get it down eventually. Otsmendi has no such excuse. He's almost 30. This is it. This is him. And he needs to go away. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I am ready for... I am ready for Otamendi to be in different colors. I'm... See, this is the thing about Otamendi, though. For all the... Th- 25 things he did bad yesterday. I can count at least two instances in which he was the last line of defense between a surefire goal for Monaco or a miracle save by City. And it was Otamendi's foot that got the ball away and hoofed it out. And while I agree with you about everything else... Otamendi's one of those guys. You remember when you tweeted like heroes and villains, villains and heroes? Yes, I do. Same thing. Like, Otamendi's a guy who is absolutely horrible at at playing sound defense. But when you need somebody (laughs) to do something stupid to, 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 to. I don't know, either draw a free kick for your team, draw a card, whatever the case may be. Otamendi's pretty dang good at it. And he's pretty dang good at getting under other people's skin. Now, Mbappe pretty much torched him yesterday, but at that same token, Mbappe also had Fernandinho going down his side. Like, I think Falcao was playing left striker with Mbappe playing right striker. So Mbappe had the Fernandinho, like, Raheem Sterling. Um, and, and, and you know what, dude? Here's my problem. You know who had the most tackles yesterday? Who's that? Aguero. Yeah, I believe it. I think I tweeted at one point that the attackers seemed like they were doing the most defending. Yeah, Aguero had the most tackles in the game yesterday with four. Like, because, you know, you had Sané tracking back, you had Sterling tracking back, and it's like, our defenders keep getting caught cold while these guys are working their socks off getting getting the ball off these wingers. 
Yeah, like... you know what, man? And there was one instance when Aguero lost the ball and then ran all the way down to the other end of the field to pick it off the guy. Like he was practically back and playing center half when he when he picked the ball. Oh, the exact guy. moment you were talking. What are you about? talking about? Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right, right. And then and that's just like, dude. This is the Aguero moment that we've been waiting for, like where he's getting his ass back on defense. He's chipping in. He's coming up. He's dropping deeper. He's allowing his he's allowing by him coming up. He's freeing up space for those in behind him to make runs. And when you have guys like David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne who can drop a ball on a fuck, just drop a ball on a dime. They were playing some – every pass that was not dropping at Huddersfield was falling yesterday. Yeah. Um, All those passes that went like 15 feet too far against Huddersfield, all of them were finding their way right onto the foot. Like Sterling and Sané will, pro- will likely need to work on their touch just a little bit, but by the time those two get their touchdown and they're just able to bring stuff down with the greatest of ease and transition around attackers, then, oh, God. Like, you know, it's... I'm waiting for the apology letters on Raheem Sterling that aren't coming. Oh, yeah. You know, I I just... There's the title of the show, Waiting for the Apology Letters of Hamster. That is the title. I I could go on for a while about that, because they're all very quiet now, you know? And there's there's never any repercussions. I'm not just talking about the idiot fans. There's not, what are we going to do to them? They're they're just, you know, they're loud people. We're talking about your Collie Moors. Yeah, your Collie Moors. Uh, you know the, the likes of Jamie Carragher, who, when he dared leave Liverpool, were like, yeah, well, he's not a great player. Or the people who were like, I would rather have Jordan Ibe. For Ibe yeah, game. Jordan Ibe is better uh, than know, Raheem Sterling. Yeah, how's that work? one of these idiots who published that nonsense under a Dribble. header with their name should be made to answer for that. And, uh, the, of course, they won't have to because they can just spew whatever nonsense they want without any repercussions because the media... I, I'm not. I'm not trying to be critical of the media as an institution. We are the media. We are the media. Yes. So I'm not sitting here being like super, trying to be super critical of like the media as an institution as a whole. But these people who are just paid to spew hot take after hot take, and then they don't happen because you know they're hot takes. They're just saying them for attention or because it's the prevailing you know trend at the moment. And then it doesn't happen, and they're just like moving on, and they're already talking about something else. And then there's never anything, and it's just you know the. the we have we have you know we have our handful of Skip Baylesses in the United in the United States. It feels like the UK has about a hundred of them. I was just thinking that. I was like thinking, you know, we have a Clay Travis, Skip Bayless, and Jason Whitlock. But I'm like, I can already think of their counterparts, and there's still like twenty more people in UK journalism that I could think of that would fit this bill. Like, yeah. We definitely do not have as many nationally, at least. Yeah, I think it's because I know every every market's going to have their guys who like to wind people up. But nationally, well, what I what I think it is is that football is so tribalistic, and 
for a long time, you've had, you know, the big four, the big five, United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, <laughs> etc. They get their guy. It's their guys who go on to to become TV pundits. You know, even if you look at ESPN FC, look who they have: Liverpool, Chelsea, Burley, Arsenal. Oh. With 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 uh, I cannot stand. Paul Paul Mariner, and I then you got Stevie Nichols and Craig Burley. Uh, nor can I. I think Craig Burley is Skip Bayless. I think he's the worst of them. But um, but uh, you know, guys like Duncan Castles, man. Like I at just least, at least Duncan Castles is transparent in his well, he in his is look, he. I don't know a better word to use here, but at least Duncan Castles is rather transparent in his shithousery. All except rather transparent. He I, is, I think he I think the transparency show... only happens when you actually come out and acknowledge that you're okay, right that's for fair. United. And but he has I think everyone to... knows it's not United, it's Mendez, and it's Mendez clients, which includes Jose Mourinho. He's a shill for wherever Mourinho is at, the, at any given moment. And it's it's not even well hidden at all. Like, you watch him and he'll be like, lovable Klopp screaming at the fourth official. Why is that okay when he does it? It's just like, go, get over yourself. Now at least I know what Mourinho would look like if he'd pursued a career in journalism instead. It's just (sighs) this complete sycophantism. I don't even know if that's a word, but you know what I'm getting at. We're making it a word today. It is. But, um... but but yeah no I I, I also just want to say too that I think Sane has really 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 stepped up his game. I'm becoming more and more impressed by Leroy Sane and convinced that this is a guy that City should have gone all the way on. At, at this point, I'm strongly considering making him my maiden shirt purchase when they come out with next year's kit. Um, I still got to get a De Bruyne. Oh yeah, well, understandable if you don't have one. But you know, you you watching him early in the season, you just don't really. They, there was a period he had to settle and he had to gain his confidence, and I think he needed to acclimate himself because, from all I read, he's a he's a really shy guy. He he's, keeps to himself. He's not really you know, which is Flamboyant. great because he's, he's never going to cause you any problems off the pitch. But you know, it can it can be difficult to adapt if you're speaking as an introvert myself. It can be really difficult to adapt to a situation like that if you are shy and not super you know outgoing like that. But you know, clearly he has found his footing and he has become you know, he's one of the first names on the team sheet now. As long as he's fit, I don't. There's no way you can take him out. He's, he's just making so many things happen with that with that left foot of his. Um, and that that tap in goal that was that was City's fifth yesterday was his well earned reward for an excellent excellent overall game I thought. Yeah no I uh, I think that 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 really the only thing Sané needs to work on is is something getting past defenders in one on one situations with a little bit more regularity. I think that oftentimes coming down the left side, Sané finds his pocket picked a little bit more often than Sterling. Um, uh, uh, so I, I, I just the only concern I have is that right now City have absolutely zilch in terms of options. Uh, they they have a starting eleven. 
but they don't have any backup for if somebody goes down. Like if Sterling goes down or has that second yellow card, or if Sané takes it, or if De Bruyne hits the deck. Like right now, you know, Gundogan's out for basically the season. Gabriel Jesus is out for basically the season. It's just this team needs so much. Like it, they they need to buy a new team, and I don't like I do, I don't think next year is yeah. going to be any better. I think it will be slightly better, but they can't overhaul an entire second unit in one summer. And if this team really is serious about competing in four competitions, they're, they're not done overhauling the first unit. No, you're so right. There's no way they can overhaul yeah. the second unit. Yeah, in no, summer. you're you're completely right. And it's if this team is serious about competing in all four competitions over the course of a season, then you need to have that better depth. And you know, you, you look and you thought, well, maybe some of the young players are going to step up this year. They haven't, and I don't know if that's because you know, perhaps I don't know if Guardiola just doesn't trust them, or if perhaps. They're not as far along as I think we might have thought they were. I honestly don't know because they yeah, still I don't get those. Even know what's happened to some they, of those they still get the like they still get like the really strong reviews. But you know maybe but all these guys that are ending up on loan at like Girona and all these the second rate clubs, and it's just like how's that going to help them? And you know are they really? I I don't know if you know the the, the loan moves particularly loan moves because. I know they have that that agreement with with Girona, and they have that agreement with Breda in the Dutch league, and mm-hmm. it's just it's just like this is your standard. I mean, I feel like if these guys are further along, like we're led to believe they are, then they should not be playing at that level. But they uh, also have a couple people up at uh, what is it, either Vitesse or Ajax, that are starting to form a. Uh, uh, a solid attacking trio, and you've also got Patrick Roberts playing at Celtic. Yeah, at Celtic, like that—that's a good move. I like that. Um, even if the SPL is is crap, when you're, if you're not Celtic, but still, that's a spot where he's going to get to play in the Champions League at times, or did. And you know, it is a comp- It's 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 at least a sort of a standard of club that's not just you know bad. Celtic is. A, 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 a big fish in a small pond, to be sure. But you know, that's I'm fine with that. It's and he gets he, and he gets to be coached by Brendan Rodgers, who whatever you think about him, it does have a history of success in the Premier League. So it's it's not it's it's a decent move for him. But then you you look at these guys who are like getting passed from from um, Girona to Breda, and I know they sent I think it was Marlos Moreno to the Spanish league. I don't remember what team, but he just hasn't played. And it's just like, are these guys as good as we think they are, or are they just being treated like crap? I don't know. And then no one else has really made the jump. So I don't really know what happened there. Yeah, really the best player that City currently have out on loan seems to be Aaron Moody. (laughs) Which is, yeah, and he's not really a prospect. He's like 25, 26. Um, but you know what, though, man? Maybe that's that's some of your midfield depth next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that would be fine by me, but, but um, yeah, it's 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 a situation where I'm just not sure if these guys are you know, and I don't I'm not privy. I obviously can't just go to Manchester on a Friday night and watch the youth team play, and draw some conclusions from it. Um, but you know, everyone still speaks highly of these guys. I'm just not they're not 
making the jump, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of concerned about that as well. Like especially with Marlos Moreno, because this is supposed to be a kid that you know, yeah, one of the best young in South America. Yeah, I don't know. I don't either. But um, it's it's I, I I don't even remember how we got on this topic, but we are covering the full gamut today. Um, let's let's go back and talk about a little bit about something that you mentioned. Made thirteen I, appearances. Yeah, that's not very good. Um, but, <clears throat> excuse me, you mentioned yesterday, and I know that you mentioned this when the game was going poorly, And I, but we also spoke briefly on the phone last night, and you mentioned it again, is that you thought Pep didn't have his tactics correct, completely correct yesterday. And I want to know, like, what you, what you mean by that. Well, the way that... And there were several tweets going on about what were... what. Uh, <coughs> Uh, Monica were trying to do in the way that they were trying to force things a little bit more narrow to prevent City from from building up. And, and, and the press really made it difficult for City to build out of the back, so they had to get a, bit, a little bit inventive, which is why Aguero was having to drop deep, you know, ping a ball back and, and then watch as City brought it forward by moving it back to bring it out. And I just think that for the first little bit, Monaco had the run of play. They they were more dangerous. They were set up in, in a position that I think uh, really, I don't know how to say this quite right, but the way that they were set up was meant to pick apart the way City were set up. And Pep Guardiola did make some adjustments to that. And obviously Zabaleta came back in um, and and then all of a sudden things freed up a bit more. And that's when the city were able to push forward and get the goals that they needed to, to get the win. But I think even though city had, you know, jumped out to the lead with that Aguero goal, um, Really, we basically saw Monaco in charge until that change. And then when Zabaleta came on, things just really started to drift into City's favor. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I wonder... City did not have the personnel who are fast enough to keep up. Yeah, that's though. kind of the other thing I was going to say, is yeah. that they, they didn't... Outside of the wingers... Because that like, attack but, is one of the blindingly quickest attacks in Europe. Yeah, it's it's a lot of young kids, man. In, in Manchester City, we're playing with... And I can understand why City were linked with about five of those attackers in the last week. Um, you know, I'm not sure how serious it is, given how many attackers they already have. But it doesn't surprise me, you know, given how these paper, the paper talk works. Good young player, big club, link. And it, so it doesn't surprise me that City were getting linked here and there and everywhere with all of Monaco's young attackers. But, um, yeah, just inc- incredibly fast attack. Yeah, I, I just, I, I think that yesterday it looked like an old Pellegrini team struggling to bring the ball back out. You know, but then later on toward the end of the match, City sort of kicked on and, and we had a little bit of progress. So I don't know. 
I, I mean, maybe got his tactics wrong. It's too harsh. I just, I don't know that this is the full lineup that I would have played. I don't, I, I don't know what Guardiola was thinking when, when you're playing like Toure that deep with Otamendi and Stones and. It's just, it felt like those guys were getting beat, 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 beat. And the worst part is, is, yeah. is that Stones, in theory, should be able to keep up with at least one of those guys, you know? But even when he did, he would make stupid mistakes. And I know it's just a young defender learning his trade. That's fair. I can accept that. I'm, I'm fine with that. And hopefully, you know, at we some guys take to it later and then they come out and shine maybe a full off season with pep going through those trainings and those practice games and whatnot that's when you're going to start seeing some of these guys click on and, and and develop into the talents that we want them to develop into I, I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm just I'm really curious how this team is going to look next year because there's so much dead weight on this team right now. Yeah, there still is quite a bit. Um, it, it's it, I there's it's it's weird to sit here talking about this after a game when there was so many positive things on show, but also so many things that you watched that you're just like, how are you still making these mistakes? Or how are you still this weak at a certain position after everything that you've done to try to address it? Um, so it's it's. I I do wonder now. Guardiola has you know we've heard now from several sources that Guardiola is going to be the driving force behind personnel recruitment now, not Bigeristein. And now he has also had a year to work hands on with everyone that he currently has. So I think he now knows that there's not really anything he can do with Nicholas Otzemeni to make him anything that he isn't. Um, I think he'll know the players that... I think he know, he'll know the players that I would divide into three categories. He will know the players that, one, already have what he's trying to do and are already completely capable of it. Two, aren't there yet, but he has seen enough to know that they can figure it out if given more time. And three don't have it and aren't going to get it. And mm-hmm. so I think that I th- category three is going to be out the door really quick and he's going to get guys in. Now that he knows, I think having a year with these players is is going to ultimately be a good thing. But, I'm curious how quickly he's going to work on the transfer market too. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that... Because City have had a history of long, protracted negotiations, and I'm yeah. wondering if Pep's not going to be... If he'll want to have guys start. in before um, before training, uh, before camp camp opens, before everyone has to report back for training. Uh, what will work in his benefit is that there's no international tournaments this offseason other than the Confederations Cup. Which only has eight countries invited. So, so I mean, that... Half, I mean, his, half his team is going to be gone. Oh, no, wait. Never mind, there are no Chileans on that team, so I keep yeah. forgetting. Argentina can't win anything. Yeah. Um, so I think that will also help him because you won't have all these players that are like, well, I'll consider my future after the blank, which 
takes a month sometimes and then by the time they start considering their future every all bunch of all the people that weren't involved in that tournament have already reported back for training and you're already running behind so i think that that this summer comes at a good time for that because unless you're at the confederations cup then you don't really have an excuse to put off deciding your future and in theory if you really want to you can get some things done earlier than they have so um that, that's that's a nice consideration there, but yeah, I think that I, I I think that obviously the planning will have already started. They're not stupid. Guardiola was like sneak flying around as early as I think it was March, April, before that, um, before he even left Bayern Munich to start planning out city transfers. So I have no doubt that that's already on their minds. But you know, it's I think that he'll have a better understanding. I think that. I, part of me does still think that he didn't quite grasp the extent of the challenge that he was facing when he joined Manchester City, and now he's starting to really understand how, what he's what he's up against and what he's dealing with and what exactly he will need to do. And now he'll have a year managing in the league under his belt as well. So I think that he now has experience in England. He now has experience to go with that in Germany and Spain. So... I, I can't help but think that's only going to help him. And maybe I'm just being overly optimistic or hopefully optimistic, but I like to think that all of that together will mean that recruitment will be both a little bit smoother and a little bit sharper when the season ends. I'm really hoping so. I'm really hoping so. It's going to be exciting to see, I think, how this uh, how this all plays out. But I, it's like I said yesterday, I'm almost just ready for City to be out of these major competitions so that they can focus on just finishing in the top four and then, uh, you know, recruiting. Yep. Recruiting. Just um, recruiting and get it in. Real quickly, the second leg is in Monaco in three weeks, so they'll have time to weigh this on their minds. Obviously, they've given up the three away goals, but they have scored five. Do you think they can get through? Uh, yeah, I think they can, but I won't be shocked if Monaco wins like 2 0 or something. Spoke exactly for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do think that City. Can, I do think City can score. It's important to remember that we've discussed the ridiculousness of City's abilities away from the Etihad this Correct. season. Correct. I mean, yeah. And, and and weird weird things happen in the Champions League. Like we just watched, we 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 in the last two week or so we've seen City, you know, very frail in defense, but they ripped Monaco apart going forward, the best team in Ligue 1, if you look at the table, while also looking at PSG just tearing Barcelona a new one at the Parc des Princes. So, I dude, that that Barcelona got hammered that day. Like I watched that game and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like, yeah, I, I I I I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it felt like we were watching PSG's arrival as legitimate player on the European stage that night. I I think I think we are, but I also think it says more about the fact that Barca have reached a melting point. Barca, the Barca always sort of hit that point of staleness where they've just relied on the same formula too long and they have to make some changes. Yeah. Um, so I think they might be there, but um, I agree completely with you. I think they, I would, I would put them as as the favorite to go through, but I've also seen enough of City to know that that could go very badly for them if they are. If they 
put all their shortcomings on display in one game. Um, City do not actually play again this weekend because this would have been the weekend of the now postponed Manchester Derby because United are in the League Cup final, which means that their next game is next week again, this time at home in the FA Cup replay for the right to face Middlesbrough in the FA Cup sixth round. Um, obviously, that first Huddersfield game, I know we didn't pot about it because we, it happened right before the Monaco game and we're doing this one, but it's not like there was a lot to say about it anyway. Um, I have a hard time imagining them not winning at home against Huddersfield. Um, so I do like to think, and I know we said this against the first about the first game, but... I feel I feel pretty good about that. They'll have a lot of time to prepare for that's for sure. Because yeah, they'll have a lot of rest and like a lot week. of time. They're gonna like have a you, week, yeah, a full week for this. If you can't win this game, then I don't know what. You don't really deserve it. Anything that you get from here on out. So basically, you deserve to be trophyless this yeah, season. Yeah, really. Um, but is there anything else that you would like to to add here? Because it was it was quite eventful and all told, you know, not necessarily for us because we had we were invested in it, but that's probably going to go down as a lot, for a lot of people as one of their games of the season. Yeah, I uh, I definitely think it was an entertaining fixture. I definitely think it was maddening. It was anxiety inducing, but it at was the end everything of the day, that supporting city is supposed to be. Yeah, at the end of the day, there were a couple I quits in there by me. Which really meant I just left the room with the TV on it, but kept it up real loud, and then came back in when I thought I heard something because I had to. Wa- I just had to walk away for a minute, you know. Like I couldn't have imagined being there, you know, in the stands and having to sit through that the entire night. Like I don't know that I, I would have been like, you know, let's just go get drunk at the pub yeah. and see how this one plays out. Yeah. Like I don't feel like paying for fifteen dollar beers. Let's. You, uh, Apparently, if you're playing in the FA Cup, there are bars right next to the stadium, so let's just go get a pie and uh, drink a beer, you know? Yep, I understand completely. It's 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 the adventure, isn't it? But um, It is. Yeah, I, I don't really have anything else to add about that crazy, nonsensical 90 minutes. I just hope City can build off that and improve upon it because if they give away three more goals in the return leg I don't I don't really know how they yeah because then it will be they would have to lose they would have to score twice but yeah hooray for math hooray for away goals haha <laughs> but yeah. um yeah that's 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 about all I got it's uh quite the performance and obviously we will <laughs> It's it's definitely one we'll remember. We can all agree on. Yeah, that. it's saved on my DVR. I for watched better, it. I for watch better it. or worse. I watch it as I go to sleep tonight because now I don't have to worry about the outcome. Yeah, for better or worse, that's one that's going to go down in the memory banks. Um, if you do not subscribe to us on iTunes, you can do that. You can search for us. We are American Citizens with a Y. If you do not follow us on Twitter, we are at America Citizens, and you can. Follow us, tweet us, um, ask us questions about anything. We'll answer them on the pod. We're happy to do that. 
and we um we'll be we'll be back probably uh for Huddersfield. Yeah. Which will be which will hopefully be a nice, calm, straightforward professional performance against a lesser foe. But we've seen enough of this to know better than to count on it. So, um, yeah, thanks as ever for listening. We always appreciate the support. We love talking to you guys, and we always love the interaction. So, by all means, tweet us, send us questions. We are all about that. Um, we will be back talking to you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, enjoy your week and enjoy the game. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the game that's coming up. And um, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, everybody.